0: chapter 1 tonight. Uh, you know, here's the thing about it is, I'm not going to let the, don't you let the devil pervert something wonderful yeah. <coughs> that God created an attraction to each other, uh, you know, for a spouse. There's nothing wrong with that within the parameters of God's word. And don't let Satan make you feel like you're wicked because you'd like to be married someday. Your mom and dad got married, or I hope they did. <laughs> right? Yeah, believe it or not, your mom, and dad was young once. Yeah. <laughs> they were crazy once. <laughs> they were stupid once. <laughs> I got to get off of it. Amen. But I, I, I do. I want to say something. The name of the church is Liberty Faith, and I want you young people to have liberty in the Lord. I do. I want to see. You, I want to see you happy and find the person God has for you and enjoy life. Just keep it within the premises of God's Word. That ain't what I'm preaching on, but anyway, let's stand and be dismissed. <clears throat> well, some of you wish, don't you? I want to preach tonight on something. Let's, uh, I want to pick it up, is, kind of just keep in mind the whole chapter, chapter 1. And after the verse I preached on, verse 17, number, verse number 18 comes in, and Paul has told Timothy all this different aspects about the ministry and things, and there's a bunch of it there. I mean, I just kind of have skimmed over the surface but he gets to verse 18, he said, this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, while some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, and whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Here not too long ago, a young lady contacted me. Uh, that uh, she had surrendered uh, God's call in her life to be a pastor's wife. That's the second or probably third or fourth young lady in, in 40 years of preaching that I have had at least expressed to me that they really believe God had called them to be a pastor's wife. And that's a, that's a precious calling. And buddy, I'll tell you what, that's a, that's a serious calling. And uh, Paul here is giving Timothy a charge. Now, charge is something, I mean, where you're really serious. you charge. he said, I want you to war good warfare and he talks about holding faith in a good conscience talks about being shipwrecked and and I want to talk to the church at large and people at large but I want to talk specifically tonight about what it means to be in the ministry and to serve God and particularly and specifically in preaching and pastoring and ministry and uh, in, in in just serving the Lord also in any other way that you might do it I want you to look at uh, chapter 3 and verse 15 it says, but if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. This is probably the theme verse of the whole book of Timothy, how to behave yourself in the house of God. And he's talking specifically to a preacher and so forth there, Timothy. And uh, <clears throat> that's it. Now, he's not talking about the building, but the body of Christ. Now, there's several vital, important issues of belief and behavior of the Christian as a, men, as a member of the body of Christ addressed in this book. The church ought to know it and the church ought to obey it. Preacher especially. The epistle's primarily directed uh, to Timothy. He's a young man. He's enter, entering the ministry and he's been sent by the Lord to serve the church, sent by the church to, for the work of the ministry. And I want to preach tonight on being sent out to serve the shepherd. Now I want you to think about what I just said. I want to preach on being sent out to serve the shepherd, this church has several uh, men who feel that God has called them to preach. We have some who are still, uh, you know, searching and waiting on the Lord about that. And uh, <clears throat> a man, uh, I see, brother, somebody, I believe, brother Bill, called me this week. And the church here at Mansfield has oh, given us the number of men there. They're without a pastor. Wanting to know if some of the guys here in church would be interested in coming in and filling in. If some of you are interested in that, get a hold of me. I'll be sure. I did put it on the faces church book or Facebook, church book, <laughs> <laughs> a Facebook page. And uh, one of the, I think one of the things that God wants to do is, is take men and people from this church And send them out across the country. I want you guys to put up a one of the the world or or the United States doesn't make any difference. Lord, help me to preach tonight. Help me to keep moving. Help me to quit tinkering around. And God, help me to really get in gear and uh, give the message that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's a young man. He's called and he's being sent to serve. And Paul is instructing on him. Instructing him how to love people and how to lead people, how to teach, how to fight, fight, how to follow, how to suffer, how to labor, how to live and how to guide. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you think I'm like Solomon, I'd say when I kneel and pray before the Lord or even walk around praying during the week, I often say this statement like Solomon. I know not how to go in nor to come out. Lord, I don't know how to pastor a church. I don't know how to help people. I don't even know how to preach. Seem like, I'll be honest with you, not, I'm not fishing for comments. I'll be honest with you, I don't preach. I don't feel like I preach as well as I used to preach. That's just the honest truth. Seem like I ramble more. I'm not direct. I'm not as serious. Seem like I just, you get in the swing of things, so forth. I want you to take your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and I want us to get a picture tonight of what it means to be in the ministry. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to look at a few different passages of scripture and then I'm going to try to keep moving through this 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And I want you to pick it up at about verse number 3. <clears throat> Paul said, giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. Uh, there's a lot of blame in the ministry and blame on preachers uh, in this generation. And some of it's a lot It means some of it's valid. But he said in verse number 4, talking about the ministry but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God In much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses. Anybody interested in becoming a preacher? (laughs) Anybody want to get in the ministry? Look at that. Approving ourselves as ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, whoop, in stripes. Imprisonments, entolments, labors, watchings, fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing all things. That's the ministry. And I've never experienced a lot of that, but that was the ministry, especially in Paul's day and in many parts of the world. That's the ministry. But a lot of it does apply here. Um, it's a discussion of what's involved in the ministry. And I think a man ought to know second Corinthians chapter 11, going over to chapter 11, verse number twenty-three. 23, second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. He again distri- describes the verse number 23 says, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths often. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I, I don't even know what it is to be in a ministry according to this one here. I don't even know a guy, I don't know any preachers that have been beat with rods. But Paul was in many parts of the world. And by the way, in the early days of America, preachers were beaten. There's there's early American history because there was a segment of America that wanted the church to to be involved, the government to have control of the church. And the preachers that wouldn't allow that were thrown in prison. They were beat. They were spit upon. Sometimes they were hauled into court. This is before our Constitution. The things that we have, we don't realize how, how people fought for it and stood for it and sacrificed for it and suffered for it. He said thrice i was twenty five verse twenty five uh, verse twenty six in journeys often perils of waters, perils of robbers, perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea and perils among false brethren in weariness and painfulness and watchings off and hunger and thirst and fastings off and in cold and nakedness. Besides those things which are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches who is weak and I'm not weak, who is offended and I burn not. Boy, I love that verse. Paul said, listen, I, I get burned off. I mean, that's what he, when you say. I got that burns me off. That's where that came from. Paul said, don't think that I don't get burned off about stuff. Don't think that I don't get offended. Don't think that it that stuff doesn't bother me. But as far as most of that, I have no earthly idea what he was going through. But there are preachers in the world that, that are. There are persecuted Christians around the world. But as far as it goes to us here tonight, all that is taught and set forth in the epistles, if we have a right understanding of these things, will spring forth and fit perfectly with the teaching of Jesus Christ in the Gospels. Now what I'm getting to tonight is this, is that being in the ministry better be lined up with what the Bible teaches being in ministry is. And I say that because I do not believe in this day and time that preachers are coming out of Bible colleges with a correct understanding of what their work is to be. Amen. I'm just honest with you. It's more a vocational type thing. It's more this is what I'm going to do for a living and, and this is what, I, you know, so forth. And, they, and instead of looking at the Bible as what, what's involved in the ministry, it's more like a, well, this is what I decided to do in life. And it becomes ineffective and, and, it, and then it feeds its way into the church, and the church becomes ineffective and no salt and no light. Now, that being the case, what we need to do then is go back to Jesus Christ in the Gospels. And I want you to take your Bibles to Matthew. And if you go to chapter 9, we're going to be looking at several analogies that God gives that's involved, what's involved in being in the ministry. <clears throat> in truth, we're all sent and we're all, all that are saved are sent to be servants of God in one way or another. Now this is, a, I'm going to say some things tonight that's absolutely the truth. I do not know, now there may be out there and may not know it, but I do not know nor have I heard of a church in this area that has more people in it. Greater percentage of people in it that serve and are willing to work and do things to get the gospel out than this church right here. And I don't know, why, I don't, I don't know why, why God's done what he's done, but God sends people in here who are willing to work. They don't want to be noticed for it. They don't be recognized for it. They don't have to be praised for it. They don't have to be thanked for it. They just want to serve. And most of the time, it's quietly and unknown, and it's, it's very unusual. I have preachers call me all the time, Reggie, how do you get those people to work? How do you get them to do something? I said, I don't know. They just do. Yeah. Well, I've tried to get people to do it, and I can't get them to do nothing. Right now, I know a pastor who's grieving, grieving deeply in his heart. Because basically, he just, I mean, he literally said, they don't want to do nothing. They're not going to do nothing. And if I try to get something going and try to do something, it's just like I'm the bad guy. Just settle down and let's just have church. And I want to say something. It is a special thing for God to send people in here who want to work and get something done for Jesus Christ. There was a couple here this morning who came because of the booklets that was sent out. We're hearing reports day after day of people just in the last two days. I mean, I've got requests for that booklet from out of state from various different people just gave Connie the list a while ago. And we're getting good reports. We got people that go to other churches who have already said, man, we're, we're studying. We're taking these and going through the studies. And, stuff. and I'm telling you, it's a wonderful thing. Seeing people do things, by the way, be much in prayer. Be much in prayer because we need to order 8000, no, 10,000 of those to finish out. 8,000 more to finish our Jerusalem area and 15 more in the Mountain Grove deal. But I'm just be in prayer about it because I've got to make a decision on that probably this week. But I don't know of a church. There, there's, some, there's some good churches across the country, but just being honest with you, I don't know everybody else's situation, but I don't know of a church with a greater percentage of people that have a, a desire to serve as is here. And though I preach to everybody and all in general that come to serve in particular, as I want to talk tonight about those who may be called to preach. And so I hope you'll understand that as we go. In Matthew chapter 9, I want to look at something tonight that Jesus did. And man, this just amazes me. And it's such a blessing. And it's such a comfort and a strength to, And it's wisdom. And God just shows us. In chapter 9, look at verse, uh, what God does in chapter 9 and chapter 10, Jesus Christ is going to give us five or six illustrations or analogies of what it means to be sent to serve the shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. And in chapter 10... And in verse number one, he's sending his disciples out. He called the disciples and he sent them out. Okay. It's going to give us some analogies here. And it's in these analogies that we find out what's involved in being in the ministry. Now, the reason I said a while ago about uh, hearing young ladies that God has called them to be a pastor's wife, because I want to tell you a little something. That's possibly one of the roughest things that I know of in this world is to be a pastor's wife. And if you don't get grace and wisdom from the Word of God, and I'm talking to you young ladies right now, what you think is going to be the joy of your life can turn out to be a nightmare. I have heard testimony after testimony of pastor's wives who have had all they can take. They're sick of it. People are good to my wife as far as I know here, but that's not the case in every church. She's expected to be this. She's expected to be the every dog pony show, a taffy pool, and hayride there is. And if she doesn't show up for it, she doesn't like us. Or she you know, it's just, it could become a nightmare for me. Uh, Brother Larry Brown, many of you know him, tells the story of a young preacher that he knew very well. He had helped him a lot. He would went to pastor church in another state. He was about two or 300 miles from him. He called him up said, Brother Larry, is there any way in the world you could come to our house today? And he said, well, he said, it was a pretty long drive. I mean, he said, is it that serious? He said, it's that serious. Is there any way you can come? He said, I'll I'll come. He got down there, walked in the house, and the man's wife was sitting on the couch, and uh, he said, what's the matter? He said, well, we've just been having all kinds of trouble at church, and he said, my wife's just, you know, been had all this stuff thrown at her and said to her and said about our family and so forth and about me and it just keeps going on and said, I walked in here this morning and she had a 357 pointed at her temple. I can't take this anymore. I thought we were to love each other. I thought we were all in this to help get the gospel out. And all they want to do is just fight and castigate and tear down and point this out and point that out and you can't make anybody happy. Anyway, she just had all she wanted of it. And Brother Larry gave him some good counsel. He said, well, the first thing you do, he said, just get her, he said, get her away from all that stuff. Yeah. You've got to take care of your wife before you take care of the church. And I told this, this church this many, many years ago. I, I have a priority list. My priority is this. First of all, it's my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And you want to write this down. This will save your life. My highest priority is my personal walk with God. That's number one. My second priority is that lady sitting right over there. She's before you. My third priority are my children, my immediate family. They're before you. I'm sorry. You'll find this out in in Timothy later on. Then after that, you come in fourth. And I'm going to tell you something. Here's why. If I'm not right with God myself, what could I possibly have for you? If my wife and I are not right together, what could I possibly have for you? And if if my family is just... you know, doesn't love the Lord and doesn't care and blowed out. What do I have for you? And you're going to see these things in Timothy as we go along. But if those things are lined up, and that doesn't mean that we don't have problems. Doesn't mean that. It just means that that is my priority. I can tell you something right now. If one of my kids call me right now and somebody walked up and said, Reggie, one of your children needs you now. I'd just say, Danny, come up here and finish. What are you going to do? Sing, come up, sing. I've got to go. Okay. But if I've got those three things in line, then I might have something for you. <clears throat> those first three things validate the fourth thing. They, they are actually what equips and validates a man's ministry. Now, he gives us these things, and uh, so we're going to take off down through them, and they're all given in the context. So let's start at chapter 9 and verse number 35. <clears throat> Chapter 9, verse 35, Jesus went about the cities and villages teaching in all the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Now, keep in mind, we're looking at Christ as our example and teaching us what's involved in the ministry. He is our example. He's not not our example to be saved. He is our example in serving. He's the Savior and does the saving. But he is our example in how to serve in the ministry. So he went. He goes. He sold us, go you into all the world. They've got a picture of the world up here. Now, what I want you to do, I want you to look at that. There are people, Brother Justin called me about an hour before church, the guy that was here last week from Philadelphia. And it's just amazing. I mean, you know, uh, uh, the, the help that he, he just said, Reggie, I went back home a different man. And he said, my wife even said, said, you're different. And here's what I'm telling you. Somehow or another, I want this church to affect people everywhere if we can for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus went about cities, villages. Look at that. Cities, villages. I'd say Norwood's kind of a village, maybe. <laughs> Philadelphia would be a city, right? Okay. I wonder if you'd get a vision tonight of where God might send you. Okay, now, he said, but when he saw the multitudes, and here's what is involved in ministry. He was moved with compassion. You have to care about people where they spend eternity. You have to care about what sin is doing to people's lives. You have to have compassion. You cannot live in a self-centered world. You have to care about other people, whether they are saved or not, whether they're going to spend eternity or not, what sin's doing to their life. And you've got to care. He's moved with compassion. Move. You know what that means? He moved with compassion. You do something. You don't sit and talk about it. You step out and do something. All right. Because they were fainted and scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then he saith to his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. When he told me that in a city of one million, there over one million, there's only five Bible-believing churches in the city of Philadelphia. The man that's his pastor is a white guy. He was raised in one of the most vicious areas of Philadelphia. He said, Reggie, I'm talking tough. I'm talking about the toughest of the tough. But he said, God saved that boy. And he said, he knows how to connect to those people. He said, this boy from Batesville, Arkansas, I believe from Batesville, Arkansas, went up there. And he said, I don't know where that guy. He said, man, he came out of the Ozarks Hills down there. And said, he's a white guy. And said, he walked out. He's down in the toughest part of Philadelphia. Started a church. He said, Reggie, there's Asians there. There's Puerto Ricans there. There's Africans there. There's Mexicans there. He said, oh, he said, you name it. And they're there. And he said he preaches he preaches the socks off of them and tells them they're sinners headed to hell. But he said he's got a love of God in him, and he said God's spirit bears witness through his preaching. And he said they're just coming in. And he said that thing is growing. They're seeing people saved right and left. And he said it, he said he, uh, you see what he's moved with moved from Batesville, Arkansas, to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, because he was moved with compassion, and he saw them fainting as a sheep without a shepherd. There are people all over this nation world that don't have a preacher. Let me tell you right now, we got people listening right now who are living in areas of the world who do not have a church to go to anywhere. Now you say, Reggie, he said, the harvest is truly plenty, so the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. That's one of the few things that you'll find in the Bible where a specific thing that you're told to pray for is for laborers to go into the harvest. And so you say, Reggie, what's the first thing the analogy is? Is souls, it's people. You know what the gospel is about? people. You know who Jesus died for? He didn't die for the deer. He didn't die for the goats. He didn't die for the, he didn't die for the monkeys. He died for people. He died for sinners like you and I. And the Bible teaches that the harvest is out there and the fields are white into harvest. And in John chapter four it says, say not ye there are yet four months and then to come at the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes. God wants you to lift up your eyes. He said, and look on the fields for they are white already to harvest. I had a man call me, brother, Mike Hargert, you know him. He called me he, he, in I believe 2015. He says, Reggie, please pray about getting on social media. And I was like, I don't know, you know, I just, I just, he said, all right, just let the devil have it. Just let the devil, just, just sit there at your house. Okay, I'll pray about it. (laughs) And for two years, I prayed about it. One, I literally, one night started getting in bed and I didn't, you know, kind of prayed about it. It's like God said, now you're ready. I want you to call it Table in the Wilderness. Call Mike Hargan and get started. I called Mike up. I said, Mike. I've got the green light. He said, I'll be there in two weeks. I'll have an iPad. I'll have a stand. I'll have everything. I'll show you how to use it. I'll have it all set up. No, uploading everything. I said, you better, because I don't know which button to hit. <laughs> he came down. We started off. Let me just tell you a Now, everybody ain't me. Everybody don't do it like I, some people don't like the way I do it. Let me give you an illustration. Yesterday, I did a clip. Yesterday morning, God just give me a little. I thought about Because, see, you got to salt the oats. I did a little clip on on the uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, why I thought it was the most consequential trial. And you know, I didn't give the gospel, I didn't talk about the gospel, but get, well, guess what? By about right now, I've got 60,000 people watch that. Now, guess what's going to happen? Then uh, the next one, I'll probably come in and I'll give them the gospel. They'll go, Oh, I've seen his last clip, I'm going to see what he says next. And I'm going to say, Jesus died for you. Yeah. Yes. Okay? Now, that's my way, that's my method. Now, maybe that's a little sneaky, I don't know. <laughs> but, I know this much. You've got to connect your faith to the reality of people's worlds, what's going on. Okay. And another thing is a lot of people I've took, I've took quite a bit of cussing on this one here, but that's okay. I'm I'm not, I want to reach, I want to reach people who aren't saved. I want to reach people who don't agree with me. I want to reach people. I, mean, I want to reach people. Now, sometimes, you know, I get in the flesh a little bit and all that, but I still want to reach people. You know what I'm saying, but what happened was God made me to see through that, that there are thousands, tens of thousands of people that I don't even think about that he died for, that he loves, that he wants to hear the gospel. Yeah. And so my idea is let's get the gospel to everybody every time, every way that we can to everybody. All right. And so what we're looking for is God wants us to see lifting up his eyes. He saw the multitudes. I am telling you, listen, I, I used to live. And if I don't walk with God, I used to live in Reggie world. How many knows what Reggie world is? It's all about Reggie. Reggie, 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 Reggie. Reggie, your wife needs to fix your breakfast. Reggie, your wife needs to worship. Reggie, everybody. It's about me. How many knows that a child lives in me world? And until God got a hold of me, it started to be, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. Look up and see there are people out there dying and going to hell by the multitudes. And they need, they, and it, it's, he's, he's comparing it to a farmer. Get out there and sow some seed. Let me just tell you about preaching. Preaching's farming. That's why I like it. <laughs> preaching is farming. You go out there and you got to plow that field up. That's preaching on sin, preaching on the law, and you plow the heart up. Then you go in and you sow the seed. Yeah. Then you go and you water it with prayer and love. But God has to bring the increase. Yes. But boy, it's fun to see the crop come up. Amen. I want to be honest with you. I'm 40, year, I'm 40 years in right now. January, I'll be 40 years into preaching and I'm having a blast. You say we should. Well, I am. I'm sorry. I'm enjoying myself. Amen. Amen. I really am. I don't, I'm, I'm so thankful for the life that God's given me in serving the Lord. And I'm telling you, well, I get a letter from New Zealand this morning that 14 years ago, a guy got saved by listening to the preaching from this church. And he's got a whole parcel of kids and he's raising them for God. You think that don't make me happy? You crazy. Amen. It's worth doing, amen. First Corinthians 15, is it's about my second favorite verse in the Bible. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your work in the Lord is not in vain. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. There is souls out there. If you want to get in the ministry, it's about people. Amen. It's about people. Every kind, every color, every race, all over the world. I wish I I could get to know this guy. There's a pastor in Germany. That guy, I don't know what God is doing, but boy, he is. I mean, somehow or another, he has tapped that guy. And he's, Germany is being flooded with Muslims from Pakistan and Afghanistan. Germany's being flooded with them. This guy is winning Muslims by the hundreds. By the hundreds, week after week after week. And here's how it's working. He led some to Christ. Then they begin to tell their friends and you know what he found out? They're dying to get out of Islam. They're dying to get out of Islam. They hate it, but they've always been forced into it. They know it's soul slavery. There's no freedom in that. And they hear the gospel. And then, you know what's happening now? So they're sending letters back and communication back to Pakistan, Afghan. Get out of there if you can and come over here to Germany. We've got a church. We've learned about Jesus Christ. we got saved. You, ought to, you Man, you need to know about this. And they're coming in and all he's got to do is just, yeah, I'll pray with you. Yeah, I'll pray. But they, show me how to be saved. Amen. Can you imagine heaven? Can you imagine the day of the judgment seat of Christ? Amen. Because he had a vision to go somewhere that wasn't handy. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you all you guys something. The night I surrendered to preach, can you tell you what I thought? I didn't have any idea where in the world I'd wind up at. I did not have any idea. I mean, to be honest with you, I never dreamed I'd be here. (laughs) Good thing God didn't tell me either. I wanted to go somewhere where nobody knew me. Nobody knew my past. Nobody knew my family. Nobody knew all the rot and the garbage of my life. I still have. I can guarantee, I don't ask my kids about this, but I guarantee they've had people talk to them about me when I was a teenager. I heard about him. I mean, if I was to go to another town, Danny, they wouldn't know me. If I was to go to Montana and preach, they'd just think I was this nice preacher who never sinned and never had a wonderful past and really didn't need a Savior, but God sent me to help you, poor sinners. (laughs) Yeah. That's the attitude of a lot of preachers, you know? Yeah, God sent me here. I didn't need a savior, but you sure do. Well, you need to get a vision. Get you a map out. Say, Lord, where do you want me to go? Then close your eyes and go. (laughs) No, don't do that. Don't do that. (laughs) I wouldn't do that. But you know what? You ought to to get a vision to take a city for God. I'm serious with you. You ought to get a vision to take a city for God. Look at a map and say, find out, is there any Bible-believing churches there? Is anybody there believes the Bible? Say, so I'm going to take that city for God. I'm going to be a soldier of the cross. I'm telling you something. Listen, get the Jabez prayer. I remember when this church was running that way. One Sunday, the whole church came up. We knelt around the front of the church and prayed the Lord enlarge our coast. Man, did he ever answer that prayer. He's enlarged our coast. It is unbelievable what God. We prayed, God enlarge the coast of this church. Help us to reach more people. Lord, you're able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. God enlarge our coast and God did it. He's still doing it. Amen. I'm excited. That pole building is going up out there. I'm excited. There are going to be people saved in that thing. Amen. We're not building it to go out there and eat hot dogs. We may do it, <laughs> but we're going to see people saved. There. I want to have a camp meeting next next March or April, and I want to have people come there. Are people asking me, "When are you going to have?" camp? I mean, from all over the United States, "When are you going to have camp meeting? When are you going to have camp meeting?" And I tell you, well, I want to have camp meeting. I want to see men called to preach out there, and people called to mission field, and people getting saved, and people getting committed to God. This is exciting business. Amen. Amen. This is exciting business. So anyway, what I'm saying, listen to this. I'm just going to give you this. Get you a vision. You used to have a deal. How many members in the shopper too? Used to go to 25,000 people in this, our Jerusalem area, 25,000 homes. We used to take out full page ads, quarter page ads, half page ads, all the time in that thing. We just salt the country down with ads about the Bible, about Jesus Christ, about salvation and so forth. Why? Because there's people's not going to walk in this church and we, get, we need to reach them and go out there. Well, I'm telling you, oh, how many members cassette tapes? Amen. Bless God. Those were the days. Amen. We, we produced those things and put them things out and truck stops. Then went to CDs and man, I couldn't believe it. Put a, a CDs out and, and cassettes over here at truck stop. First thing you know, truckers started picking them up, carrying them all over the country. Next thing I know, we're doing what? Eight or nine thousand back when the CD was deals at the height of its deal. And then they come in with, you know, phones and you don't need CDs. anymore, (laughs) Amen. But I'm saying just like get the gospel. Go into a town. You know what I tell young preachers that call me from other states? I say, record your messages, duplicate them, put them out in the stores, go down to the stores in your town and say, listen, can I put out these messages here? If truckers can do it that aren't even preachers, can't you do it? I'm telling you, get a vision, get excited about what God wants to do. I'm just telling you, uh, Habakkuk chapter two is one of my favorite deals. You know what it says? Have a vision and write it down. I could, I, my old Bible that I started preaching with, I could show you something in it. When we were at Oak Forest down here where I first started pastoring at, this congregation at, one Sunday I challenged the church to write down the number of people they wanted to see coming to church. And we had everything from 25 to 500, <laughs> and we was down there in that little old church. That little church don't hold over 100 people hardly. I'm serious with you, about about 100 people. And we and, and, and we had one man that literally. And I'm, I don't want to try to exaggerate but I think he put down wrote down four or 500. I'm like, where would we put him? I mean, he had faith. Did you know I got thinking here a while back? I, I'll be honest with you. I think it was either three, four hundred. By God, you know what? God answered that man's prayer. God answered his vision. Habakkuk said, write it down that he that runneth, that readeth may run. You know what? You need a goal. When they have a horse race, they've got a finish line. Yeah. Okay. Whenever you're playing basketball, there's a goal. Whenever you're playing football, there's a goal. There's somewhere we're trying to get to. And you need to have a vision about what you're going to do. And it's, There's nothing wrong with saying, Lord, uh, I'll tell you what to do, Lord. I want you to, <clears throat> I mean... I don't know how many of you did, did, did y'all hear Justin talk about how they got their church last week, the church they're in? They were driving around looking for a building. They started in a home, they got up to about 30 some people. And so they said, Man, we're going to have to get a building. We can't sit we can't everybody in here. So they driving down the street. And they see this church. And this guy's out in front of it. They pull over, and the, priest says, the pastor says, I'm going to pull over right here. And they found out that this church was getting ready to close. The preacher of that church said, we're just dead. We're just dying. Ain't nobody, you know, and it, Justin, if I get this wrong, you straighten it out. Okay. But basically they started talking to him and within a few weeks, do you know what that pastor told him? We're going to give you this church building. It was over a worth over a million dollar piece of property. They gave it to them. And that's where they're having church right now. Let me just tell you something about, here's what you've got to get. Your God, the God of this Bible, He's big. Amen. And He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And you think, well, I don't know how it would work out. I don't know what I would do. I'll tell you, one of you live an exciting life, go somewhere, start a church, and be willing to, I mean, to eat gravel for about three weeks. By the way, you know what preachers live on for the first three years? Fresh air and rabbit tracks. <laughs> Some of you ain't got that. You're slow. You got to be willing to live on fresh air and rabbit tracks. Ain't nobody interested, are you? All right. <clears throat> then we got into tracks and sermon audio and social media and door to door. And there's Camp Joy and there's the Academy. And ra- I was on the radio for 18 years. Man, i tell you what I used to. when I For 18 years, you know what I'd get up in the morning and do? I'd run to Mountain Grove. Run the massfield field or get somebody sometimes to go do it. But I've got up before, went and preached it on the radio, then come here and preach, and I'm telling you something, just go like a wild man. How many members of the radio broadcast? 18 years. And then they closed the station down and never did get back on. But I want do you have a vision tonight? What can I do? What can we do? Now let me tell you something. <clears throat> when Joseph was sent his brother back, he said, Don't fall out by the way. Now, let me tell you what Satan's going to try to do. He's going to try to get you diverted and and get your eyes off the harvest field and get you fighting among the brethren. Danny, I'll just use you for an illustration. You don't care, do you? Let's say that me and Danny was out in a wheat field. and There's beautiful wheat out there. And our Heavenly Father told me and Danny, go out there in a wheat field and I want you to gather that grain. So me and Danny goes out there and we're going along. pretty soon I say, keep on your side of the field. And he keeps getting closer, and I start reaching over him. Pretty soon, we're fighting with our size. And we're fighting all over the wheat field, knocking the wheat down, stomping the wheat down, two preachers fighting. You've got to watch that. God hasn't called you to fight other preachers. You said, well, you don't know what they said about you. They don't know about, half about you. If they knew the truth, you'd hide. Amen? Don't worry about what they're saying about you. You stay on the ball what you're supposed to do. Amen? I'll tell you, we don't need to be fighting in the field. You'll tromp the grain down. And I mean, by that, you'll peel the people see you fighting among yourselves. And you won't do any good. Now, let me just tell you something. God, the Bible said that in heaven, they're rejoicing over what? 150 people that get saved. One sinner. If you spent your life in the ministry and one person came to Christ, it would be worth everything in eternity. You just ask that person. Now, I want to tell you this much. God does, Heaven doesn't rejoice in big offerings. <laughs> Preachers do, but heaven doesn't. <laughs> heaven doesn't rejoice in padded pews, stained glass windows, and $50,000 grand pianos. Heaven doesn't rejoice in new PA systems and projectors. Heaven doesn't rejoice in paved parking lots. I had somebody walk up to me a few years ago and say, Why don't you pave this parking lot? I'm getting tired of this. I'll just go be honest with you. It's a lady. A woman. I don't know if it's a lady or not. It's a woman. <laughs> Did I say that, girls? Now, you ladies, you girls need to figure out whether you're going to be a lady or a woman. You need to figure that out, all right? All of you, all you girls need to figure out am I going to be a lady or a woman? But anyway, she said, why don't you pave this parking lot? My heels get dirty and my shoes are dirty. Every time I, every time I get to church, I'm tracking mud in." I said, I'll I think about it. I've been thinking about it ever since. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. I'd rather mail out 10,000 booklets amen. than to have a paved striped parking lot out here. You could just walk the gravel, amen. you will be glad to get in here. Amen. Don't look for it to get paved anytime soon. Maybe in the millennial reign we'll pave it, Amen. amen. We got other places to spend the money Amen. than paving the parking lot. Amen. I don't like it. I'll tell you right now, I, by the way, I, they had a they had one of them deals out here that said pastor on it. I took it down. You know where it's at? It's out like my shop hid. I don't want people driving up here thinking the pastor's got this, he's a special guy. He sits up close to church. I don't know where, I'm off, I'm off, I'm off. God is not... Heaven doesn't rejoice over new bathrooms and a new nursery. Heaven doesn't rejoice over the church winning its ball games. Heaven doesn't rejoice over you and your 10-point buck heaven rejoices over one sinner that repenteth, amen. Amen. And that's what God says we're here about, amen. Amen. Heaven written. I'm going to tell you something. God says, get out there. The field's wild and the harvest. He said, don't say wait. It's ready now. This generation of saints is going to give an answer to God for this generation of sinners. There's an agency. He said, urgency. He said, go work today in my field. Ezekiel says, when I say unto the sinner, he said, and you warn him of his wicked ways, he said, his blood will be off your hands. But he said, if you don't warn him, his blood's going to be on your hands. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I do not know exactly what that means. I I know it doesn't mean that I'm saved if I warn people, I'm not saved if I don't, but I'm going to tell you something. Having somebody's blood on your hands is not a funny issue. And I will say this to you. We just need to get the gospel to everybody who can. So ministry is like being a farmer. That means you get up and you work and you plow and you plant. You let God bring the increase. Second thing is in verse number 16 of chapter 10. Chapter 9, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 9. Boy, oh boy, this ain't going real fast, is it? Does anybody know where I'm at? Don't then shut up. <laughs> Matthew chapter 10, verse number 16. Yeah, there it is. You want to get in the ministry? Read this. I send you forth a sheep in the midst of wolves. Oh, that sounds like fun. Last night, Karen and I was headed back home, coming through the country over by where Sue and Jacob lives and come up to the uh, deal there. And they're right laying on the side of the road. I mean, in the road, in the, on the leaves, in the road, not in the dish, not on the side, but in the road with a little deer. And she'd been shot in the right front leg. And I'm sure, you know, if they're like me, they meant to shoot her in the heart, but they didn't. Boy, She was hurting. And if I'd have had a rifle, be honest with you, I'd just shot her and we'd have dressed her and, you know, get the meat. But she got up and, man, she just like this here. And she limped off. So I called Jacob and I said, Jacob, listen, there's a wounded doe over there out just across from that house over there. And I said, if you get a chance, go over and, and you know, kill her and, and maybe you can get the meat out of it. And I said, because if you don't, the coyote's going to get her. I asked him this morning and I said, Did you find her? He said, Yeah, the coyote's already had her. You want to preach? It's like sheep among wolves. Now, I want to tell you about a wolf. He ain't got no mercy. That's right. They'll rip your guts out and laugh while he's doing it. That's right. Let me tell you about the worst wolf you're going to deal with, and that's Satan himself. He'll get you to sin, get you to mess up, and then he'll laugh his guts out because he messed you up. And then he'll drag you out in front of everybody and say, look what I killed. Being sent out, he said, I send you forth as sheep. I'm going to tell you about a sheep. He can't run as fast as that doe could. You want to get in the ministry? Then you visualize being a sheep among wolves. I'll, I'll tell you a little story. care whether they really like it or not. It don't matter. It's just the way it is. I preach against Masonic Lodge. I don't like Masonic Lodge. I like the men, love them, want to see them saved. But I'm going to tell you right now, and if any Masons listen to me, you listen to me. You walk in there at first degree, they're going to have you blindfolded and have you kneel. And when they take the blindfold off you, you're going to be sitting before the worshipful master. That's idolatry. And if you tell any of their little... Secrets, they'll swear to cut your throat from ear to ear and pull your tongue out by the roots. Yeah. That's that's, uh, that's sweet, isn't it? Well, I preach on Masonic Lodge, and they don't like it in this country, I'll just tell you. And the Masons swore to put me out of business. But it's Okay. Because they can't do nothing unless God permits. That's right. I'm enjoying my Saturdays off. <laughs> okay? But you'll get, I'm just telling you, if you want to be in the ministry, you need to think about it for a while. Because if you're really going to preach on things, you're going to be sheep among the wood. They're going to rip your guts out. They're going to leave you. It ain't going to be fun to you on the side of the road. It won't be easy. You're going to have to endure Hardness. I told somebody this week again, I'm trying to learn how to endure hardness without becoming hard. You get growled at, chewed on, cussed at, snapped at, lied on, accused, carved up, envied, mocked, scorned, maligned, demonized, misunderstood, misrepresented. If you stand and work and win and preach the word of God. One of the first things that hit me hard, i had just been preaching for a little while and I I was so dumb, I I started preaching against Catholicism. Isn't that stupid? (laughs) You you should love the Catholics enough to let them die and go to hell, don't you know that? One of the worst things that hurt me, Brother Ralph, a man that was my former pastor, he caught me and he said, "Uh, why don't you quit attacking Catholics? I said, I didn't know I was. I said, I thought I was just preaching what's false doctrine about it. I said, they're not saved by the seven sacraments. They're not saved by, there's only one mediator between man and God, the man in Christ Jesus. The priest, the priest are false priests. Mary, Mary doesn't intercede for us. The Pope's not infallible. There is no purgatory and they don't believe in the grace of God and they don't believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ. I said, I just was caring about the Catholic people that are lost in, in bondage to it. You're attacking them. You're not going to do any good attacking them. You know what his problem was? He was afraid to preach on it. Yes. And it bothered him that I did. Yep. Yep. And so here's what I'm going to tell you. The woods ain't always going to be who you think they are. That's right. You see, most of the time you're kind of watching for the outside world bunch. It's when they're coming from the inside, the people you thought was with you. They'll start calling you fanatic, crazy, hypocrite, malign you, tear you up. Oh, Uncle Bud Robinson put it best. He said, if you're going to be a preacher, he said, you need a backbone like a saw log the hide like a rhinoceros and a heart like a dove. <laughs> Think about that. Backbone like a saw log, hide of a rhinoceros and a heart like a dove. Fears and tears and toils and snares. Sometimes loneliness and sometimes betrayal. John the Baptist, pretty lonely sitting down there in prison. But here's the secret to all that. You cannot feel sorry for yourself. And say, oh, bless my heart. I'm serving God and I'm poor me. The devil can't get you the other way. He'll get you that way and you'll die in self-pity. Don't never feel sorry for yourself. Rejoice in that you're counted worthy to suffer for the cause of righteousness and for the name of Jesus Christ. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Say, God, I'm glad I'm in the army. The third thing is in verse 16, too. Look at verse 16 again, chapter 10. He said, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. He said, therefore, you be wise as serpents. Here's your next analogy. Wise as serpents. Most copperheads have got enough sense to stay under the board. <laughs> I don't like serpents, but he said, You know, know, what's funny is, and and Brother Justin mentioned this to me, he said, Reggie, the children of this world are wiser in their generation than the children of light. Uh, We need wisdom. If you're going to be a preacher, you need wisdom. You need a lot of wisdom. And that wisdom comes from above, the wisdom that you need. It's going to come out of the Word of God. Uh, You need enough wisdom to know this, that a dead man can't straighten his tie up. Straighten up. You people, straighten up. Dead people can't straighten up. They've got to be saved. I mean, can you imagine the guys in the casket, and you walk up to him, straighten your tie up. (laughs) He goes. (laughs) Dead men can't straighten up, buddy. They've got to be saved. They've got to be given life, and you need wisdom to understand that, okay? Uh, but here's what it says, but harmless as doves, wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. That's a pretty tough deal. Do no harm. Serving the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men. We're to speak the truth in love. You need to decide what's worth fighting for and what's not worth fighting for. There are some things you want to stand for and other things, let, them, let the rest of them be. I just got a deal there a while ago, lady wanting to know some answers about uh, and it's fine, and she asked it with a good, with a good spirit. Uh, what do I believe about, was it Samuel that came up, and was Saul saved, and all this stuff? Well, there's some things I don't really know, and people's been fussing on it for generations before I was ever born, and I, I don't know. I just told Sister Connie, tell her, I don't know. I'm sorry, I don't know. There's some things I'm not going to spend a lot of time on fussing and fighting about. Okay. There's things I believe, but I still don't want to spend a lot of time on it. I'd rather go. I never will forget. It. I went to one ministerial alliance meeting. They're interesting. Yeah. Ministerial assassination meeting. Meeting. Yeah. Yeah. They invited me. I went. Oh, guess where it was at? Oh, it's public school. So I went. I've been sitting there just kind of on this. This ten or twelve preachers sitting around the table there. I'm sitting there, you know, kind of just feeling this thing out a little bit. And all of a sudden, one of the preachers said, well, I just want to get something clear before we get going too far here. Kelly, you and your attack on Catholics is not going to fly with this situation. You're the worst thing that ever happened in this town. Okay. I listened to a bunch of nonsense for a little while, and I just, Karen was out in the car. I thought, you know what? I think I'll go door knocking. I just got up from the table and said, appreciate it, see y'all. Come out, got in the car, and me and her went and knocked on doors. I said, I got better things to do than sit around and listen to all this nonsense. cowing you down so you puppet and toe the line with everybody. Anyway, another thing you need to learn is jurisdictional leadership. How many knows that I'm real good at jurisdictional leadership? (laughs) How many knows I'm really good at delegation of authority? Sister Pitch, you know... (laughs) Uh, the guys, you know, they, they have the uh, security around here. I meet with them every Saturday morning. I tell them exactly how to do everything. I never have met with them. I just say, guard the place. That's it. You don't, you, you, I'll operate. I'm going to tell you how I operate on trust. There's a couple here this morning Talk to me about church. I said, well, here, well, here's what i tell you to do. Come a while. Danny Friend pulled in here 30 years ago. And he'd come up to me and he said, well, he said, I haven't tied my boat up to the dock yet. I'm just kind of easing around. That's a good thing to do. I told him this morning, I said, what shall I do? Just come for a few weeks, a few months. Come at night. That's when you'll find out what we are. Right? Come on Wednesday night if you want to really find out what we are. And I said, visit a while. And let the Holy Spirit tell you where to go to church at. I'm not coming up to your house and grabbing you by the ear and saying, come to church with us. I don't do that. Amen. Now I can tell you what, how not to be a pastor, but but you need, I trust people. If I can't trust you, I'm not going to ask you to do nothing here. Yeah, that's right. you know, Some of you are going, that's why he's never asked me to do anything. <laughs> no, I'm serious with you. There are people all those I mean, I just, oh, listen, when we need a new stove down the kitchen, we have a church-wide business meeting. And we take a vote. And we put up The screen five or six different brands and sizes and colors of stoves. We make sure that we know everything about the stoves and then we have a vote. Secret ballot vote. And then we get mad at each other because we didn't win the election. Now if we need a new stove down there, I don't have a meeting. Linda, you here? Oh there you are. I say, hey Linda, go somewhere and buy a stove. Well, how much you spend? You're going to give account to God for it. You better do right. Is that not what I tell you? It's exactly what I say. I don't know what a new stove costs. Don't care to know what a new stove costs. But you better go buy one God wants, I can tell you that much. (laughs) That's called delegation of authority. You know, learn how to do that. Trust people. I want to tell you something. If you can't trust me, I wouldn't go to church here. Now, I'm not trustworthy, but (laughs) I wouldn't go to church. If you can't trust me to an extent... I wouldn't go to church. I wouldn't say, listen, to a man, I couldn't trust to some extent. Amen. And when you're dealing with people in church, you got to learn how to trust them. There's people you learn to trust. They build trust over time. Yeah. And, you, and you learn to delegate that out. I don't try to be every, you know, somebody comes says, oh, my goodness, your church is doing so much. I said, the church is, I'm not, I, said, I show up and preach and I go home, that's about it. Is that not the truth? Tell me, is that not the truth? It's the truth. I don't try to be everything to everybody. Build trust and delegate. Now, I'm going pri- to especially learn this, be kind and tender. Why are you, why you cut and slash? <laughs> but I'm going to say this to you. I was kidding these kids over here this evening, and I, I don't even know what I said. I was teasing them or something. And I stopped, and I thought, Reggie, they're not hillbillies yet. <laughs> they, don't, they, might, they, might, they might think you're serious. And I backed up and didn't I? And I said, hey, listen, I'm just teasing. Didn't I say that? Huh? You, you thought I was serious? No. You, you, knew, you knew I was teasing. But here's what I'm saying is, people don't need a snapping turtle. My wife, if I was a snapping turtle, she would shoot me. <laughs> She sh- she shoots snapping turtles. I don't know anything else she wants to shoot, but I'll tell you, if a snapping turtle comes across her yard, it's dead meat, buddy. I'm telling you right now, because she's thinking, grandchildren, you're going to get one of my grandkids, you sorry, down. Boom, boom. I tell you, you should have seen her out there. I know I've told this, but I wish I had it on film. She got her judge pistol out there, and she walks around it like this. Boom. Boom. And I'm sitting there looking through the window, I'm laughing my head off you. And she keeps walking and saying, boom! And that turtle's going, enough! It put its hands up in the air. <laughs> now she emptied her gun and come up here and says, come out and kill this turtle. It's still moving. <laughs> she don't like snapping turtles. You know what I know? People don't like snapping turtles. you got to give people room. You've got to have some mercy on people. you got to smile once in a while. you got to have a little bit of fun when you come to church. Amen. Hey can come. I come into town to straighten everybody up. I've got glorified Holy Ghost pistols on each side of my belt. I'm gonna straighten you all up. Anything that bleeds different than me is wrong. You ain't going nowhere. And real fast you ain't going nowhere. Amen. I don't know. Man, lie, this is get. It's 817. Let's finish this later. See what I told you? I can't preach no more. <laughs> Donkey around, Josh. It's the truth. It's say 17. I miss Bonanza over this. <laughs> <laughs> huh? About 20 years better. About 20 years, I miss Bonanza. <laughs> Amen. Let's stand, let's sing something tonight. What do you say?